0: about to go into the match. We'll do a little bit of narration to kind of set the scene of the day and everything. But there are a few character things that normally we would probably resolve in the moment, but I'm still learning this game. So we're going to resolve right now before the match. Uh, And that is A couple of you have addressed traits or done things that I feel like would address traits in play that can generate for you an important piece of in-game currency, but it also carries like the weight of some other in-game things, which are conditions or getting extra fight. So the big thing is, I believe the traits that I have seen actually get addressed in the game so far are braiths daredevil tori koshi's uh, our new captain mm-hmm. um potentially uh, and this is the one that i'm most hazy about potentially june's fly on um because we did sort of talk a little bit about june's power but i also don't know that like the spirit of fly on is like help using your ability to help other people with their birds mm-hmm. so i don't know that we've really addressed that um traits can be addressed at any point um during the game so even if we don't do this before the matches like it's important like we, we can do it during the matches themselves but like i want to take advantage of this time now because we are about to go into the mechanics of a match which is like kind of the most systemically robust part of this game um so Basically, uh, when you address a trait and resolve a trait, uh, you decide whether that trait has like, completely been resolved for your character. Um, if, it is, if you think it has been completely resolved for your character, you will get an extra fight token. If you don't think it has been completely resolved for your character, it's just like, well, we nodded to it. We're, we're telling part of an overall story, um, but this will be a story thing that will come back in our future matches. In those cases, you can resolve it and give yourself a condition. Uh, there is a whole list of conditions. Um, those technically replace your trait. Um, so because we don't want to lose anybody's traits, uh, I've added an extra row on the character sheets uh, mm. for people to add uh, extra conditions for themselves. Um, uh, we were sort of like talking through braiths off mic um, with Mel and what came up is, we thought uh, was guilty uh basically the the daredevil trait was nodded to by Braith having that scene with with his sister. And coming out of that, like I feel like it makes a lot of sense for Braith to have been like carrying a little bit of guilt uh over the daredevil persona that normally, you know, serves him quite well or is such a big part of his character, because like when you take risks, people around you can also get hurt. Um but for Tori Koshi. I am going to go down the list of traits, and uh, Drew, we can uh, talk through uh, any traits that we feel might be appropriate for Tori okay. Uh The traits are as follows. Burnt mm-hmm. out. Injured. Furious. Lonely. Awaiting judgment. Thankful. Mental block. Guilty. Hiding it. In the limelight. At a crossroads. Worried for someone. Unbearably bored a gentle heartache ruffled feathers hoarding favors um and referring to tori koshi's uh trait which uh resolved uh is our new captain mm-hmm. what do you kind of think came out of that
1: the one that really stuck out to me was lonely yeah uh, i i really think Tor, tori koshi is a lonely lonely young man uh and i think him becoming this new captain has just pushed him that much further into being, um, having that trait of being a lonely person.
0: All right. Um, so all these traits do is during the matches, I believe certain match games might reference, like, if you have a trait incorporated into your narration. Um, but with them on your character sheet uh, as you are playing, you can just go, oh, um, I, you know, kind of feel like this is a good moment to highlight my loneliness. This is a good moment to highlight my guilt and uh, incorporate it. Um, The other thing before we get into actually going into the match games themselves, uh, I want to just take a brief moment to describe how a match is going to work. Um, We have... uh, a lineup on our roll 20 of digital cards that were created for this game by the good folks over at story brewers. Um, we have the cards that are from the core fight with spirit as well as special cards that were developed for sky joust. Um, basically in order to play out this match, uh, everybody is going to get to play one match game, uh, They are match games, they are things that are described on these cards that we will walk through what you narrate and which cards you draw from the match deck in order to resolve them. All of those will contribute to whether your team wins or loses this game because we are playing against NPCs today and we know we want our player characters to advance to the PVP rounds. uh, You also have uh, available to you. Anyone at any time can play not like this, uh, which is a special match game that will bring the score to the game tied uh, instead of having you, you know, be very behind and lose to an NPC and have that NPC advance instead of you. All of the other match games will be something that you pick from a lineup. They will add a little bit of flair to the game. uh, And there are a few unique match games that are designed specifically for this uh, match type. But during a match, everybody will play one match game and one match moment. The match games are the things described on these cards. Uh, they actually have a mechanical impact of everything happening in the game. Match moments are closer to what vignettes were in the before game uh, mm. part of play, where you know it's something that's emphasizing the action of play, but is not the entirety. Like, like doesn't have a huge mechanical impact. The thing that you can do with match moments, though are because a lot of you have troubles that haven't been introduced. Uh, you can use match moments to indicate troubles. Those can involve flashbacks. Those can involve, like, things that are actually happening during the match. You know, like, you could introduce a trouble of, like, oh, your uh, harness has snapped a little bit, you know, in the, in the middle of play, and, like, that's going to cause you issues on on this particular tilt or something like that. And uh, you can use that to generate, like, mechanical advantages for yourself by generating fight and spirit. Um, you can also use match moments to, like, indicate towards your traits or something like that. Um, the, all of that to say, uh, like, there isn't, like, anything explicitly mechanical about match moments, but you can use it to uh, be the stage for other mechanics. Otherwise, everything is playing out during the match games themselves. With all of that uh, handled, uh, Hunt, I will ask: our, do, do you feel like guilt is, is the best condition for you? It was either guilty or I think gentle heartache.
2: Yeah, that.
0: Oh, uh, so gentle heartache is uh, appears to be more about like yearning. Mm. Um, so I, I think yeah. guilt is probably
1: okay. Nothing but guilt.
0: And everybody, just take a look at your your traits, your unresolved traits, real quick. Um, that's into your world for Braith, the idea of like, hey, I'm finally get to be on a stage and jousting, like I saw people joust when I was younger. Mm. There is a both fly on and fight me for June, and losing streak for Torikoshi. All of these, like you know, are, are things like if you touch on them, they will generate. Fight or spirit for you that they could generate fight if you resolve the entire character story piece they will generate spirit upon resolving the trait no matter what so like keep those in mind as you are narrating during the fight uh, during the match because that can help you and also think about your trouble tokens i have played out all of my available troubles Which means if you want to introduce any other troubles uh, in order to get more fight uh, for yourselves, you will have to do it. Players can, you know, it's just like the GM thing. Players can introduce troubles as well. Troubles are, you know, moments that like Cause some tension for your characters. They like narratively make things worse for you, but they don't affect anything mechanically. They just make everything uh, more dramatic and interesting. And in return, you get fight tokens, which will add to the individual cards uh, that you will use to resolve your match games. Uh, So, very handy. With all of that out of the way, let's talk about the quarterfinal qualifier for what I have now named the silver Feather tournament so I think we cut to a scene of where this quarterfinal match is taking place uh I want one detail from everybody about like this th- this pitch before y'all get started I will point out that wherever this is taking place uh this is not a like super fancy uh, stadium or whatever. Um, They have basic safety gear out there. There is probably a lot of netting set up in case anybody should be uh, dismounted uh, during the match itself. Uh, They have basic safety equipment, uh, which is this uh, like sand and dye armor uh, that we got to see in IRP aura where you are wearing fabric that has patches of sand in it and has been dyed with, with, uh, like, earthen materials and it displaces kinetic energy that comes in and hits you uh, into the sand. So you can take big hits without getting severely injured. But apart from that, like, this is a regional quarterfinal match. Uh, There are people who travel for this, but, like, not a lot. Uh, It's usually, like the people who set up the teams, and whatever local area. So you can decide whether this is close by to where you train, uh, maybe far away from where you train, uh, however you like. But yeah, have at it. What are our facilities like? Uh, I would love for this
1: building to be repurposed from before Starfall.
0: Oh, so. interesting. Okay, so could this be like a maybe pre-Starfall, like, amphitheater or stadium that has been built on top of? Or maybe netting has been thrown over some, like, big amphitheater or stadium of some kind. Yeah,
1: yeah, something like that. I feel like it, it has been a place where people gather to watch an event um, from before Starfall, even. Uh, it's old, obviously, and probably in dis- in disrepair, uh, but I think I think it is a like an amphitheater, like an old amphitheater that they've retrofitted to be a bird uh, jousting place, you know, but I also think- on the weekends, they they do community theater there as well.
0: <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So, yeah, it's this big open air thing um, that means probably like uh Uh, A a thing that I will add on to that is that probably uh, some stands have been built up around this amphitheater uh, and there are seats for people under the netting. Uh, So there are some people who are watching this from below, just looking up through the netting and then uh, stands that have been built around the amphitheater uh, that are perhaps a bit elevated so that they can watch more of like the match there. Uh, yes. so yeah, there, th- there's like this cool kind of like, uh, maybe I, maybe like more people are paying to, to get into the elevated ones because like people had to erect those, but like, there are a lot of cheap seats that are immediately beneath the match itself. That's
1: cool. Right up and close to the action.
0: All right. Allie, Mel, other details about this venue?
2: So it's old, right? Um, and they so they repurposed an old location. Uh yeah. I think that um the proprietors uh that currently own this location have been fighting nature and nate but nature has been winning uh and started some some like gentle vines and plants have started to weave their way into the infrastructure. And it's just kind of a, a nice leafy uh there's some grass growing in some of the corners where Dirt built up. Um, it's it's a little naturalistic.
0: Yeah, you know what? I kind of like the idea that this place is sort of nobody's. Like this is an amphitheater, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Like uh, nobody is like the, the, whatever uh, city or metropolitan area like that used to be around this pre-starfall kind of completely fell apart. And people really just go here for specific events um so like maybe the community theater is a community theater festival or something, yeah, and people people just travel for this place, and it's like, yeah, one of the things about that though, is like because it's not in the middle of like a city or town, people are not constantly keeping up this place, so like things grow in here, especially with the rapidly changing seasons, it is really really easy for nature to kind of reclaim this place.
1: That's
3: cool. Um it's
1: like a convention center. Yeah. Oh. It's like a multi-purpose. People do theater here, they do games here, they do gatherings here, festivals.
2: Oh, it it it's kind of making me think of um shit, what's our stadium uh in Chicago? Soldier Field? Soldier Field. They they built they had like this old stadium they wanted to retain some of the charm, so they didn't do anything. To, I mean, they, they fixed up the exterior, but to add more seats, they built this absolutely massive addition onto it and floated it directly above the existing structure. And it looks like a spaceship. But the the reason I'm, I'm talking about that right now is I, it sounds like this is the kind of thing, like the amphitheater exists, but they built more above it. And it's like a bit, a lot more modern. But so, like everything below is getting like green, but you can tell that there are parts that are much newer and well kept than others.
0: Cool, cool. Um, Allie, what about your detail?
3: I think it is fairly close to the Burning Tails Training Center. Um, we've talked about how the Burning Tails School uh is high up against a mountain. Mm-hmm. Of some kind, and there's like hanging gardens sort of as a situation with the Burning Tail school. Um, so I think somewhere nearby in an equally mountainous area, uh, sits this ancient amphitheater where the silver feather tournament happens. Uh, I, well, this think, is this is, is just a said?
0: quarterfinal uh qualifier for the silver feather.
3: Ah, okay. I see. The quarterfinal yes. So this amphitheater, which we'll have to give some sort of like name to, I think. It's it's not too far from the Burning Tail School. Um I think that in addition to being in a mountainous setting near where the Burning Tail School is, that the aviary uh facilities for jousting events like this and other um other uh griffin or lion bird Related events that may or may not take place here throughout the calendar year. Um, the the aviary facilities for this amphitheater are underneath the amphitheater. Oh, oh! Interesting. I I'm thinking about I, I. You started talking about an amphitheater, and I started to picture uh, the Dragon Pit in Game of Thrones. Um, where in the Game of Thrones series we see it, it post Targaryens and it's in ruins, right? Like it's the the whole bowl of this this stadium is like empty and ruined and in shambles and all of that. But the dragons would come up from beneath into the the sporting arena area of it. So I was thinking it would be kind of cool and an inversion of expectation if the birds' facilities are inside and beneath instead of above or outside of the stadium itself. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Interesting. Interesting. So I I will have to adjust how I was thinking of the netting uh, for this place, but uh not like that's that's not too difficult. So uh, so the idea is that the birds come in from beneath this amphitheater and like come up out of the ground or you know run onto the field the way a football team does And I guess the safety netting is kind of like a bold construction that is, like, immediately over people's uh, heads and faces. So, or, or, you know, maybe, like, 10 feet up or whatever. But, like, it is much closer by. And instead of, like, flying entirely around the top of the stadium, uh you're you're maybe dipping in and flying within the stadium a bit too which is really cool um so there's probably uh some kind of hatch or something that the birds fly out of when these matches begin and take off
3: yeah like a hatch or like um like in a football stadium you have like those tunnels like they come out kind of like at an angle up to the pitch or whatever um that i was thinking yeah that like since this is an old repurposed building that has been redesigned and added onto that. I like the idea that it's not that with that netting, that safety netting for the audience, that it's not quite like other pitches. It's not quite like other stadiums that you would have an event like this. in. it's a little off off brand in that way.
0: Yeah. It's a little wonkier. I mean, this all has the uh, British football pitch feel uh, of them, not all being a regulation size or anything. Uh, Mm. So that works for me. Great. So I think we see this stadium, which let, let, let's name what what is the name of this amphitheater? I'm down if anybody's got ideas. I I have
1: one, but it's I, I think it's kind of dumb. So it's
0: uh, uh, hey, I love dumb ideas. Uh, I want to call it Robert's Ruins. Robert's Ruins. Okay. That
1: was the first thing that came off the top of my head. But I'm who's like, Robert? I I don't know. He's the guy who found the
0: place. Robert's Ruins. Okay. Yeah. So like we see match day. Hey heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, we are coming up on our Patreon drive, and I've got a lot of exciting announcements to make next week. So be sure to tune in to the next mid-roll for that. In the meantime, I'd like to thank all of our current Patreon backers. Without you, we would not have been able to make this miniseries. This miniseries and everything for it was funded by our Patreon backers. It's the sort of creative thing I love to do, and we can only do because there are people who support our work. If you like what you're hearing, head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and sign up to support us. Very soon, we're going to be redoing our backer levels, adding new incentives, and hosting a lot of cool events as thanks to our backers. And now then, before we get back to the show, a quick word from our sponsors. And with that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Sky Just. Robert's Ruins. Okay, we see match day. At Robert's Ruins. Um, there are people who are dressed head to toe, uh, in the colors for both the Burning Tales and their adversaries for this match. Uh, the, uh, that's right. Sterling Hawk Academy. Um. I think stretching out around the construction of Robert's Ruins, uh, you see uh, red feather skyships. And uh, yeah, I think I think it's pretty much exclusively, maybe there are a few privateer skyships, um, but these are transport skyships, uh, things that people would have paid money uh, to hop aboard that uh, were chartered to come out to this place. And allow people to watch this match. You also see uh, different, like, I think, makeshift bird stalls uh, that are set up for people who have come here on Griffin back. Um, And there is a really, like, stark difference. I think most of the people who came in on Skyship came in to support Sterling Hawk Academy. Whereas the majority of the people who are decked out in burning tails colors flew in on griffins. Um, and so I think your crowd is much smaller. Um, mm-hmm. You definitely have everybody like even the adult and professional jousters from uh, the uh, burning tails like school have shown up and are here to support you. And you have this crowd of like old kind of grizzled uh, uh, Griffin riders who are around and some of them, you know, work a similar job to the Swiftwell Courier Service. They, they deliver mail. Others are, you know, traveling adventurers. We see, um, you know, the, these very these like starkly different groups of people dressed up, uh, in the colors of each team. There is like kind of a little camp Around this amphitheater, like of people who have either shipped or flown, or you know, for those who are really nearby, like carded their way in to this amphitheater uh, and watch this match. Um, there is a buzzing energy around the amphitheater. Everybody is excited to see this match uh, and to cheer on their favored teams, and I think this is your first opportunity to really get a look at your competition for this match. You know, there's these camps have like pretty much split uh, the amphitheater itself down the middle. Like if you were to look at a bird's eye view of this place, you have a, a sea of like silver on one side for the Sterling Hawk Academy. And you've got the, uh, red, blue, and what was it?
3: Yeah. In the burning tails document that we did, it says team colors, blue, orange, yellow. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, so then the blue, orange, and yellow, um, of the uh, burning tails on the other side with like kind of an intermingling uh, at areas where they meet. Um, And it's just dotted with these makeshift Griffin enclosures and uh, landed skyships, Some of which are also kind of operating as like, you know, mobile boarding houses for everybody who's shown up for this. And like, well on the outside you've got like these defined camps uh, actually in the stadium itself like in the area in the amphitheater underneath uh all of the action where you will come out of you have the griffin stables now this is not a permanent setup like the aviary here is something that is meant to be put up and torn down because this place serves so many other types of events um And that means that, like, you are actually pretty close with uh, the people who you are going to be competing against. And I think you get to see the Sterling Hawk Academy in this underground area here for the first time. Uh, I think your coaches and whatnot are attending to your birds, like helping them, you know, get tacked and, and set up while you are in the the equivalent of the co-ed like changing lockers uh that you have set up for, for this space. <laughs> so I want to know how do you like first encounter uh the Silverhawk Academy? And remember, everybody has their own Silverhawk player that they are. That they are playing the you, you see the Silver Hawk Academy team uh in this like area, um before the match I I just want a, a quick scene with with you all meeting these folks so like I'll, I'll bet you had to help tack up your birds um so you're getting in a little bit later to change into uniform
1: I have a feeling that the Sterling Hawk Academy flyers have kind of set up their own little area off to the side. Like they've brought in like really nice tables and chairs and like rugs and like camp furniture and kind of set it up off to the side. So they have like their own little place going on over there uh, that is very exclusive. So like we are not, they've taken up most of the, of the, the quote unquote changing room as their own space.
0: Yeah. So it's just been full up with glamping gear.
1: Yeah, glamping. they're just they're yes. they're full on glamping here. There's even like a butler with snacks, and there's a definite place where like they've given us maybe like five foot square in the corner. Uh, they've even moved all of our stuff over there, where that's where we get, we get to change.
3: I I, wa- I love this idea. I think we show up. The three of us show up and immediately think we're in the wrong place. So we turn, like, June immediately turns around and tries to leave because it feels like it's not our space to use. And then we realize that, oh, no, wait, this is, this is supposed to be both of ours. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, 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 this is, um, this is us. And we see, uh, Torikoshi leaning in and go, hi, this is the changing room, right?
2: Yeah, 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 man. What's up?
1: Uh... What's your name?
2: Uh Darius.
1: And there there's this moment where Torakoshi kind of r- lifts his eyebrows a little bit. I feel like Torakoshi has heard of Darius. He does not like Darius, but I don't think he's ever seen his face. Oh, you're you're Darius. You're the uh Sterling Academy Hawks.
2: Yeah. Darius Darling, <laughs> I think you should know who I am, but that's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, we we are I the Sterling Hawks.
1: I don't though. Uh, oh. It's a pleasure to finally make your acquaintance. We're gonna. Did you guys move our stuff?
2: Oh, we just um, we just scooted it over to make a little space.
1: O- over there in the corner. Yeah. Okay. June Braith, let's go change.
3: And I think as June uh, follows Torikoshi in towards the little uh, corner of the room where their stuff has been placed, um, uh, another figure slips in behind Braith and reaches over Braith's shoulder, I think, as they walk in and grabs like another Sterling Hawk Academy jacket off the wall like in a big show of, Oh, sorry, excuse me. That's mine. And if Braith turns, there is, uh, one of the Sterling Hawk Academy, uh, players, uh, writers who is a very, very conventionally attractive young woman, uh, with extremely symmetrical features and phenomenal hair and, uh, really, really big eyes and a huge bright white smile, um, just like looming after Braith like a shadow and beaming at him.
2: Um, uh, yes, Braith does turn, but as he turns, he runs his hands through his hair and tosses it to the side and catches a, a stray uh sunlight beam that just kind of bounces off of his golden blonde hair and eyelashes. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. This is a covered area. Uh, so there shouldn't be sunlight down here, but, but somehow, but somehow there is for Braith
3: hi sorry, excuse me, I didn't mean to reach past you there, so you're um your burning tails uh yep, amazing. How long have you been a burning tail?
2: uh, Braith looks like he's counting on his hand uh, like a month, oh
3: my God, math so cute, um, that's great. <laughs> Good for you.
2: Thanks. Uh what about you? I'm sorry. Uh you're you're on the other team, right? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, okay. Uh how long have you been flying?
3: Oh, flying? <laughs> Since I was three. Yeah, my parents helped fund the school, so
2: Oh, trust fund kid. Okay, cool. Braith kinda turns <laughs> a lot away and <laughs> That's so funny.
1: <laughs> uh, to which across the room, um, you see, you hear the uh, the sound of somebody putting down barbells. And there in the corner, surrounded by several pictures of himself and uh, what looks like uh, a, a butler who mops off his brow a little bit, you see TJ Spicy Brewster. TJ has um, a rather phenomenal kind of mohawk thing going on that is silver like it's dyed silver yes um, he's jacked and he obviously has uh like tattoos um mm-hmm. all over all over his body uh i'm feeling what's his bucket from from cobra kai
0: no i i caught i picked up on hawk, hawk. hawk. yeah immediately. <laughs> picked up on that immediately yeah the
3: branding the seo
0: yeah uh he goes do you even know what
1: a trust fund is to talking to you fancy hair yeah you over there <laughs> okay how long you spending your hair it's effortless i don't have to you, do anything oh it's effortless Ooh, effortless okay sure hey becky yeah stop talking to the riffraff becky come on over here
3: i'm not talking to the riffraff yeah don't flirt with them I'm not. Fl- Who said I was flirting? Look, and she's
1: blushing look as at she her. as she walks oh, past.
3: And he is too. As and, uh, she walks past, Braith, she literally like just like drops a hand on his shoulder and runs it down his arm as she walks past, <sighs> like you would at a party, like if you're trying to get through a crowd. Sure. Um. Uh, yeah. Braith and just kind of like,
2: oh, and like look like at him blush. It off.
0: All right. Yeah. I think Braith is blushing at this point. Um. Like just and probably not for uh because he thinks that this is such an attractive person more secondhand embarrassment at how tj is acting um which i i feel like as this is happening and like everybody is trying to get prepared june i want to see your hackles get up a little bit because we got to establish the relationship between tj and june
3: I think June to this point has tried to not pay attention to the, the Sterling Hawks in the room and their exceedingly competent butler. She has sort of like followed Torikoshi in and like tried to get set up and tried to start like doing what she needs to do, following Torikoshi's lead basically. Mm -hmm. And at this point she has both clocked that Braith is like annoyed with what's happening. And, also clocked how like as you said absolutely embarrassing these people are behaving like (laughs) cartoons and she's never been in a room full of that before and the energy in here sucks and is weird Um, so I think she starts by like clocking Braith and trying to send him like a look of just just like leave it like Let's let's just get get this over with. But TJ uh, clearly isn't isn't someone who is ever told to knock it off.
1: We see TJ look over and go, hey, hey, pretty boy. Where's your third?
2: My my what?
1: Yeah, there's you. There's Torakoshi over there. Where's your third? It's June. She's I'm right here. Literally right oh, here. Oh. I'm sorry. I thought that was your valet. Oh, sorry
3: about that. <laughs> So and June, ignorant. like, June, like, sets down the bag of of, of supplies that she's carrying or whatever and um, go, walks over to where uh, TJ Spicy Brewster has put down the dumbbells and, like, moved off to the side to be refreshed by the butler. Mm-hmm. And she picks up the dumbbells and moves them for him out of the way so that they can spread out a little bit further.
1: Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, carrot top. That's not your property. Don't touch it.
3: Maybe this room isn't your property.
1: Uh, I think it is.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. Did your parents pay for it? I I wasn't aware. There's no plaque with your
1: name on it. Uh, actually. And he points to the wall, and there is a plaque that says, like, TJ Spicy Brewster. And it's got, like, the name of his his bird, and it's got, like, all of his accomplishments on it as well. Why is that there? Because that's our, it's our room. Why are you sharing it, then? We're not. Can you not afford your your own room? You're not going to move?
3: I have no idea why any of this is happening right now but none of it's necessary we're gonna do all this on the pitch anyway so why don't you just chill out
1: how about and we see him go up to his full height crack his knuckles and size up June and goes how about we do this the easy way which is this you stay quiet you fly your mangy little birds you let us win Because that's what's going to happen. And Uh, then Darius
2: stomps up and says, hey, TJ, spicy. Let's get a little less spicy. All right, man. Look, this is a competition. We're supposed to share this room. I don't care if your parents paid to put that plaque on the wall. This isn't only our room. We gave them those five square feet for a reason. Let these people get ready.
1: All right, dear, dear. All right, man. Come on. Just let me look. I'm just, you know, being spicy. And he like walks away.
0: With that, I think your coaches enter the room, and the coach for the Sterling Hawk Academy is, you know, dressed in like I think their whole uniform vibe is like pretty mod, um, mm. but uh, you know, bright silvery colors mod. So like a little glam mod combo going on there. But it has this prep, so his this prep edge to it. So his collar is popped, and he is wearing. An upside-down tennis visor. um, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And he does have frosted tips. They are silver frosted tips. Um, All right, everybody. uh, We have settled uh, the the pre-match everything. So we're going to be going up. I want to see a good, clean joust between everyone. We're going to be selecting match types and matchups on field says, says Valkyrie. Uh, So everyone get in your lineups, get in formation. It's go time. Good luck to everyone. Yeah. Good luck to everyone. And then flashes of uh, the stadium itself. Uh, You can hear people like pounding, um, clapping in rhythm singing like rival songs back and forth across the stadium. Uh, the people who are here for Sterling Hawk Academy, like, are definitely louder. Uh, but there is kind of a call and response that is sort of organically organized within the crowd of various like team chants and whatnot. We can definitely see in the the Burning Tales section there are people who have one of the things that I love most uh, when I see in manga uh, depictions of like these old man cheerleaders are people who have, like, made the crown out of candles, uh, who have, like, you know, taped, like, the paper around their head with the candles in it, and it feels so appropriate to the Burning Tales that there are people who have, like, this headgear set up, uh, that is on literal fire as they are, like, uh, waving their flags and and chanting their chants for the Burning Tales. The riders emerge first, like, mounted atop their birds, uh, but not strapped in. Uh, The birds, like, strut out uh, beneath the pitch itself, and the crowd goes wild. Like, I think, especially for people who have not jousted before in competition, Braith and June, like, the sound of this many people in one place all... Like looking at you and shouting at you, it washes over you like a wave. You have simply never experienced anything like this before. Um, It—you might find it intimidating. You might find it intoxicating. I don't know which, but like the sound hits you. And uh, for Tori Koshi, this is a familiar feeling. This is a feeling before you like. Put up and compete. I, I kind of want to know, especially because Torikoshi has been a little bit of our focus character here, what is like the nervous tick that he has pre-match?
1: Torikoshi's nervous tick is he constantly is stringing and restringing his bow. Mm. Uh, so, like, he'll, he'll do the string, and he'll, like, test it a bit, and he's like, nah and he restrings it. And it, he's, he does that, he's also, like, he's got, like, he does that, and the other thing he does is he has an arrow in one hand with the fletching on the outside, so he's holding, uh, it point, and he, like, taps, taps it, like, against, like, his leg the entire time as well, so he's doing, he's checking his his equipment a lot, but the number one thing is that he's got this arrow that he kind of taps on things as, as he's trying to let go of some energy.
0: Cool. Cool. Uh, then we see, uh, like there is a judge in the middle of the field, uh, and they have, uh, a like box with, uh, several flags in it. Um, and, and, These flags are at first randomly drawn out of this box. Each of these flags represents the different match types that are supported in the Silver Feather Tournament. Um, Two markship events, the Mounted Joust and a Tengu Dory. These are randomly drawn out, and if we refer over to our Roll20 window, we can see that uh, Mounted Joust, um, Tengu Dory, and uh the uh mark ship piece uh uh that that's we're still using the temporary names right now, um but like uh the long range mark ship joust are the three events that are available, and the way uh these events are assigned to different uh sets of players is you draft uh which one of these you want. so full tilt is going to be your um, Uh, traditional mounted joust Uh, uh, leap of faith will be Tengu Dori and um, the concentration is going to be the long range markship joust. Uh, So given those three options, uh, technically, this is a back and forth thing and you can decide whether it is your character or the opponents who are making the decision. Uh, But one by one, uh, people from either side are going to be able to go up and select the event that they are going to be competing in. I think there are like individual coin tosses between each. Um, so you don't have all of the events on the board, and like one person, uh, one set of people at the end is going to be stuck with a particular event. But this is a strategy thing. We do know that Torikoshi's like specialty event is uh the long range mark ship. Mm-hmm. Uh. So you can decide how you want to draft out uh, these events, who gets to pick first and who is going to be stuck with whatever option is last. And I feel like we'll even say that the first coin toss goes to the Burning Tails. So before we begin the match, there's a quick huddle of deciding what the events are going to be. All right, team, huddle up.
3: Man, they really got something going on, don't they?
1: They're trying to get in your head, June.
3: Yeah, no kidding. It's annoying.
1: That's that's their thing. They're just trying to get your head. So let's let it go. Let's clear ourselves out. Everybody breathe in and out. Remember, we're not here to fly as precision or even as correctly as we can. We're here to f- fly beautifully, and we're going to be beautiful and win. And have fun out there, I guess. Uh, okay. Um, do you guys have any... Feelings on what you wanna do? Torakoshi,
3: what are you what are you good at? What are you gonna do?
1: Well I'm 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 good at the at the concentration. I'm good at the marksman stuff, but then you should do that. Okay, I'll I'll I will do that one. That yes, yeah, fine. Yes, I will do that. We have a tengu dori going here. Do we do either of you feel like the tengu hang on hey, and we that... we see him we see him turn around and walk out of the huddle for a second? Um he takes out an arrow, snaps it real quick, and then puts it back into his quiver and turns around and goes, Whew. Braith, would you mind doing a full tilt? Sure. Okay. Do you feel comfortable doing a full tilt, or is the Tango Gori better for you? I've um, seen you do both. You're about even on both.
2: I I, I could go either way, honestly. What, you know, I'll, I'll take I'm, whatever June doesn't want to do. Stop.
1: Stop. Braith. And we see him go and take Braith by the shoulders and look him in the eyes and goes, What do you want?
2: I want to punch those nerds in the face.
1: Okay, then I'm going to give you a full tilt joust. You got that? Okay. Okay. June, you cool on a tangoot dory? That's the one
3: where you jump off, right?
1: That's a lot of bird control.
3: Yeah, let's do this.
1: All right, good. Like I said, we'll fly pretty, we'll fly beautiful, but we will fly right, and we will beat these... Toots. Toots. That's a great word. I like that. We're going to beat these toots into the net.
3: Can we punch them, though? Is that legal?
1: Yeah. And we see, um, and he points out the armor that you're wearing. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Um, This stuff, and he taps on it. All that kinetic energy is going to go, and he points off into the stadium to those pots of sand. Mm -hmm. I could hit you full in the face with a hammer, Mm -hmm. and you'd be just fine. Mm. So, yeah, wail on them, June.
3: You got it.
0: Let's saddle up and fly right. One by one. Uh, different members of each team walk up and select the flags uh, that they will be choosing for their events. Um, You know, I think Torikoshi is, is the first up Uh, to pick and picks up the uh, uh, long range Mark ship and like there is a huge like uh, uproar from the the Burning Tails camp because they have seen you fly before they know that you're good at this and they have your back Um, and like there are different bits of looming excitement like we can see uh, for the uh, mounted joust uh, I think that one is probably actually going to be picked by Uh, braith's rival um and we can see that the audience is extremely excited on the uh silver hawk academy side uh that that uh rebecca is going to be doing the mounted joust that appears to be one of her best events and like this goes back and forth until the scene is set and we are ready for the first match to take flight
1: Climate. I see a river and I want to sail If there's a victory, you know I will find it Never been the type who is happy to fail A
2: million miles
1: from my front door There's things that are worth fighting for but Nothing's gonna stop me, friend or foe When it's all we know rising higher and farther only far and up in the sky when, we when we're
0: flying, we're ready to try and do